is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 517, recorded Tuesday, March the 9th, 2021. Welcome to the program, one and all. You too, Jason. Thank you, Chris. Well, I'm, I assumed I was included in that one and all. Are you the one or you or are oh, you I'm, the all? I'm, well, I'm part of the all. I'm not all the all, but I'm part of the all, but I'm definitely not the one. Oh, uh, yeah, that's probably true. But, you know, we can't all be the one, Jason. That's true. Only one of us. Only one of us. In fact. That's right. Well, here we are, everyone. The second episode of The Walking Dead since its return for the final component of season 10. Is component the right word there? Not really. But, you know, portion. Portion of season 10. Yeah, the the final uh, set. Yeah, maybe that. Iteration instance. (laughs) I'm not sure those all work, but... Oh, none of them really. In any case, we're here to talk about the next episode today. But first, I just want to take a look at what our ratings were for the last episode, Home Sweet Home, number 17. That one got 2.89 million viewers. Now, to put that in context, A Certain Doom, which was episode 16, the one that we had back in October, that got 2.73. So actually, it's slightly lower than Home Sweet Home. However, all but one of the season 10 episodes before that had over 3 million. Not a lot over 3 million, but over 3 million. So... We're on the downward trend still, but not by a huge amount, really, either way. Yeah, it's not unexpected. And, you know, I pursed my lips and nodded when I heard that number, so I'm I'm accepting it. Yeah. That's fine. It is what it is, exactly. One other thing I wanted to mention before we really get started here today is sort of a Walking Dead news item, and that is that The Walking Dead has been nominated for five Saturn Awards. Wow. Yeah, in the following categories, Norman Reedus for Best Supporting Actor on a Television Series, Melissa McBride for Best Supporting Actress on a Television Series, Mm -hmm. Cassidy McClintsey for Best Performance by a Younger Actor on a Television Series. I don't know what they define as younger, but she fits the criteria, apparently. Sure. Jeffrey Dean Morgan for Best Guest Starring Performance on Television which I find a little odd. I don't feel like JDM is a guest star on the show anymore, uh, officially, in fact, but whatever, he's in there. Well, what episode though, right? It's episode specific. It's not for the entire run of the show. Well, that's a good question. Um, They didn't point out a particular episode for his nomination. It was simply guest starring performance on TV. (laughs) Well, maybe they submitted a specific episode where he was guest starring. Could could Rather be than, because he's on regular, uh, you know what's it called? Re- not reoccurring. What well, the he, hell's it called? I'm having a mind blank here. Well, you just mean like he's a a main character. He's not a That's guest it. star. He's main. not a recurring character. He's a main primary star of the show. So yeah, I don't know, but he. I guess technically he hasn't always been, but he has for a while, and he has certainly since these awards would have been uh, considering him. So. All right. Well, the Saturn Awards, I guess, uh, you know, they're a little loosey-goosey with their rules. Sure. They probably are. The other category is Best 
horror TV series. And in fact, Fear the Walking Dead was nominated in this category too. Oh yeah. So, you know, Walking Dead could split the vote on that one and neither win, but you know, I think we might take, you never know, we might take some awards in those other categories. Now the Saturn awards don't (laughs) officially have a date yet this year. I guess things are a little up in the air still, but apparently uh, an award ceremony date will be announced sometime in the future. All right. So now is it, is it the Saturn awards as in the planet Saturn or is it the Saturn awards as in the car Saturn? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say the planet, the, the car Saturn, I don't think exists anymore. And really? Yeah. And these are put on by, oh, is it sci-fi network in the States? It's like something like that. So. All right. We'll go with the planet. They're advertising the planet. I wonder if the planet has paid for this advertising. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> You'd think it'd have, you know, Saturn, the planet is, has pretty, you know, significant brand awareness out there. Uh, it people really... are aware, aware of this planet. Not many people haven't heard of it. Yeah. It's, uh, I was wrong. It's awards presented annually by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. Oh, okay. So they have a, they have an ongoing deal with the planet Saturn to sponsor their award shows. And there yeah. you go. Well, I mean, if any, any planet's going to have the cash to fork over, uh, to get naming rights to an awards show, it's Saturn because it has those rings, right? <laughs> it's a very wealthy planet. That's right. Yeah. Very, it, you know, it's so wealthy it can afford rings. It sure can. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Good luck, everybody who's nominated. And when we get more information on when those awards are going to be awarded, maybe we'll report on who the winners are, but hopefully it's some of our Walking Dead favorites. Cool. All right, Jason, let's get into our recap of The Walking Dead Season 10, Episode 18. Find me. It's called find me as happy jack from victoria bc said there thank you happy jack for that title read i could uh, i could tell how happy he was <laughs> yeah me too it, it was all the first thing that came into my mind it's like oh that guy's happy <laughs> it was all in the whisper yeah yeah i liked it nice. that was a title read if you want to get a title read in for us you can be like happy jack and record the title of the next episode of the walking dead and get it into us and i uh will play it on the show most likely all right let's start we open this episode with dog running at the camera and daryl is gearing up on his bike but it won't start carol approaches picks up a map from the ground now they have some sort of funny and friendly banter Uh, you know, she thinks maybe she can try starting the motorcycle, which still won't start because her grandmother, grandmother told her she has a very special, strong right foot, which was related to a use of a sewing machine when she was younger. Makes sense. Yeah, of course. Uh, she says she wants to go with him to go hunting. They kind of joke about her coming, uh, you know, about her coming along and not talking the whole time, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of funny. And we just get this opening scene of very lighthearted banter between the two, you know, setting the mood, I think, trying to uh, to just make us all feel comfortable in their friendship and the relationship that they have, because I have a feeling that the writers felt we might need that now, considering what happens at the end of the episode. Yeah, we, well, we might need that, but I think that this is also, you know, a teaser for what we're expecting to get for the Daryl and Carol continuation of the show, 
once uh, once we wrap this up. And uh, I got to say, I was right. It's going to be a buddy cop movie because if this wasn't buddy cop banter, I don't know what was. It it you're kind of right about that, and and I could see that. You know, they are going to have to agree to get along and and be friends if they're going to go out on the road together and just spend the rest of their you know lives on the road with each other. Um, where the episode ultimately ends up, which we'll get to, I feel like is sort of a you know a turn towards the other direction. But for now. They seem pretty chummy, pretty friendly. You know, it seems like they're doing okay as, as buddies. Yep. We see the opening credits, and when we come back, Daryl's now pushing the bike. He just kind of ditches it in the forest, and I don't think there was anything technically wrong with it. No, Although maybe they're... Putting it, he was putting it away. Was he? But there's no reason to put it on, a, on its kickstand, because he wants to, you know, ha- at least half-ass hide it. Yeah, right? okay. He doesn't want to leave it sitting on the road. Somebody walks along and says, hey, look, a motorcycle that's just sitting here. I'm going to take that. <laughs> that's right. I've always, always wanted a motorcycle. Well, he leaves it. There's a little more banter between the two of them about staying close. You know, apparently they're tracking a deer, but they immediately find it dead. Uh, Carol suggests that they try the big valley up north, but Daryl wants to go check the river, which they decide to do. So they're just kind of out there hunting. You know, having a fishing or they'll get to fishing. Yeah. Having a fun time together away from the rest of the gang. I guess they need some food, things like that. Uh, as they continue, Carol gets a foot cramp. He of course teases her about the special strong right foot, you know, of course. Yeah. Uh, and they decide to do some spear fishing, as you said. So Carol goes to the edge of the, the river and spears one on her very first try. Well, she did catch the deadest fish I've ever seen in my whole life. That was one dead fish. (laughs) It was maybe a rubber fish. Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, I've seen actual spearfishing or when bears catch fish, because bears are really good at catching fish. They are. Uh, They wriggle like a son of a bitch. So this one did not wriggle. Well. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be killed anyway. So might as well be dead now. <laughs> as long as it's not an undead fish, because that'd be bad. Oh, you don't want that. No, floppy dead fish. Uh, we cut to them cleaning the fish. He's giving her some tips. And now finally, we get to what is a, at least a semi-serious conversation between the two. She starts to say things like, their, has their luck run out? You know, they lost the hilltop. They're about to lose Alexandria. But... Daryl has a much more positive attitude and he says we can rebuild and we can start over, but uh, you know, as we always do kind of thing. And Carol's unsure of this. She thinks the dead in this world is catching up to them, but he says, you know, they won't, uh, if you don't let them. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, Well, yeah, I'm okay. I just, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the number of dead versus the number of living and the number of dead, uh, you know, what is it? 98% dead to 2% living. Is that the the way it worked out in the wash? Uh, Actually, I'm not sure the walking dead has ever really come out and said that, right? It was the stand where they said 99% of of the world's population. Yeah. Uh, walking dead, it's just most people are dead and when you die you return right 
I, I just, I'm wondering about the, the, the statement of the, you know, the dead catching up to them. Uh, you know, obviously death is coming for us all and it is relentless and will not stop and there's nothing we can do about it. Just like the zombies. Uh, so yes, the death is coming for them, but the dead, I'm just wondering if, uh, and they're rotting and it's been a number of years. Uh, I'm wondering if they're starting to get over the hump, right? Where it's going to get easier uh, fighting the dead because they're mainly rotted out husks at this point, unless they're freshly dead, which is only, let's say 5% of the population, uh, which are, you know, living. And then when they die, uh, they become freshly dead. So in another 10 years, maybe they won't see very many of them. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I think maybe Carol's just sort of talking about the the mentality of it all, right? I mean, you still have to deal with with the living, which are are the biggest threat. But I mean, she is specifically speaking about the zombies. So, or or maybe she's just saying this world. You know, this world is becoming overwhelming, and and it's harder to survive every day. Um, she doesn't have any little girls to kill or things to blow up. It left, you know, that so must she, be hard. she doesn't know what to do with herself. Yeah. That must be, that must be very difficult for her. It must be. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, dog suddenly gets up and runs off barking into the forest and they go after him. They follow dog to an abandoned cabin. And as Daryl approaches, he seems to have some sort of vision of a woman sitting there on the porch petting dog, but we go to commercial. And when we come back, we're inside. Carol suggests that they stay the night here. Daryl looks around, makes his way to a window. He looks out at a cross in the ground and we get the rumbling noise into a flashback. That's, that's how it, you know, cause it rumbles in. As soon as I saw the cabin, like before we even saw the visage of a woman with no face, cause it was, her back was to us. Uh, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, dog recognizes the place because Daryl used to live here. Oh. Right. And then I thought, well, if Daryl used to live here, he knows the area pretty well. And why the hell would he not know that this was here before they got here? And why would dog wait so long in order to freak out and go, Hey, I know this place. He probably would have known before Daryl. Yeah. So it all seemed a little odd to me. I, I must admit I had the same thought, certainly on the second watch through that it, they didn't seem to be that far from the place. And Again, as we find out, Daryl spent a lot of time here, so he would know, he would know the area, but maybe he was just pretending not to. Maybe he didn't want to bring Carol back there. He didn't want to get into it again, right? But dog forced his hand. Yeah. And I've always, you know, said in throughout my life that we should never underestimate the power of denial. Right. It's so very strong. It's very strong. Maybe he's just willfully put this whole thing out of his memory and uh, didn't want to think about it until Dog forced him to. And right. He thought that he could not come back. Like I could just, you know, we're going to go here. We're going to hunt here. We're going to fish here. I know this area. I'm just going to avoid that spot. But mm -hmm. then Dog took off and went to the spot and then they got there. And then all of a sudden Carol's like, hey, we should stay in this spot. Daryl, you know, got all broody at that point. Well, brings up a lot of memories, but we flash back and we see Daryl sitting by the river at the camp that we saw him living at when he was out there by himself searching for Rick. I believe, Jason, this is where we saw him feed a foot to dog. Remember, remember when that happened? Uh, well, there's lots of rivers. I don't know if this was the river. But... I, 
I think this is the same little camp where where we saw that. But in any case, um, that's where he is in this flashback. And we see him meet Dog for the first time. And we got little puppy Dog. Yeah. Okay. I really don't want to nitpick the whole thing apart. But if a dog, even a puppy dog came running up to me, I don't think I'd pick it up and let it lick my face. Uh, Yeah. You know, my first instinct would think, oh my God, wild dog, right? If this dog, even though it is uh, a puppy and probably has, uh, you know, a mom kicking around somewhere, uh, I'm in the middle of the woods, in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, this is probably a wild dog. It's going to eat my face if I let it get (laughs) near it, right? But Daryl thinks that this is a nice, friendly puppy uh, and just goes ahead and picks it up so it could lick his face. I mean, I hear you, but it was also super adorable. Well, puppies are cute, right? <laughs> puppies are the cutest. Yeah. Right? So, but it's his, it's his first meeting with Dog anyways, and it, it, I thought it was nice. Uh, we see Daryl inside his makeshift shelter, uh, and he pins a map up and starts marking it up with a couple of circles. So this is his, like, searching for Rick map, right? Here's where I've been. Here's where I'm going. Here's, you know, where I, here's a circle where I need to spend some time, that kind of stuff. Yeah. This is, this is where I was. This is where I am. This is where I'm going. Exactly. So he needs to keep track. And if I'm not mistaken, is that, okay, no, wait a minute. Is that the map that Carol picked up off the ground at the beginning? Or is that a different piece of paper that comes up later in the episode? Um, probably a different piece of paper. Okay. I, it, it's hard to tell because if it's a hand-drawn map, all maps that uh, Daryl draws are going to have a similar style. That's true. Right? Yeah. So it, and I doubt that a, a single piece of paper from five years ago uh, would survive continuous markup and pinning to trees and rain. Yeah. And see. actually that's, that's a good point. Shortly in the episode, we see it kind of get destroyed by water. So I think it's actually the other paper, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we see Daryl meeting with Carol across the river. We're still back in time here. Uh, and it's five years ago. I forgot to mention that. So we are five years in the past. And when he meets with Carol, you know, she's telling him about Maggie leaving. She talks a bit about the tension between the communities, things we sort of know, but I guess Carol is giving Daryl the update. Carol says it's been two years and he reports that he's found nothing, but still has places to check. So Daryl's been out there for two years, basically looking for Rick. That's a long time to spend alone in the forest. Oh yeah, it really, really is. I have a hard time talking when I've been down in the basement by myself for six hours. (laughs) Yeah, really. Uh, I know, I know what you mean. Like when my wife and kids used to go away occasionally without me, a few days would go by it was fine. And then after that, I was like, man, this place is awfully quiet. I could use some, some ruckus around here. Yeah. I usually get that way after a couple hours. <laughs> nobody's home. Well, yeah. Nancy. Well, there you go. Good thing they hardly ever leave. Yeah. They're talking. We can hear a storm is coming. So she has to go. Now she throws him some supplies across the river in a bag. So I guess she's bringing him stuff too, which is nice of her making his life out there a little bit easier. We see Daryl making his way through the forest. He spots some walkers and an overturned boat. He takes out some of the walkers, checks under the boat. There is a body slash zombie, which he kills, but it's not Rick. That's good. Uh, you know, camping out under a boat 
not a bad idea. If you're, you know, you're going down the river and it starts to rain and you need someplace to camp, turn over the boat. That's water. That's waterproof. Mm-hmm. Ish. Right? Yeah. It's the whole, well, it's the whole point of a boat, right? It's to be waterproof. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Not let water through the boat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's a great place to camp. I'm not surprised that he uh, found somebody under there. Well, it wasn't Rick, though, but it was a zombie and he stomps it. But we cut to him now back in his shelter during this thunderstorm, a rather powerful thunderstorm, I would say. He's just kind of sitting there, suffering, getting soaking wet and cold. And after a bit, as I said, the water comes in and starts to destroy the map that is pinned up to the uh, the logs that the shelter's made of. Daryl starts screaming up at the sky, and there's really no other way to say it, but the sky screams back, you know? Yeah. It's it, the thunder, the lightning happens, and he's just having a miserable time. Pathetic fallacy, right? Yeah. If you're, up, if you're sad, it'll start to rain. If you're angry, it'll be stormy. And if you rage against the storm, the storm will rage against you. It's exactly what he was experiencing. Now we cut to one year later. So we're still in the past, but we're a year later on. Daryl's so we flash wa- forward in the flashback. We flash forward in the flashback. Exactly. Daryl is walking through the forest. He meets dog again, who's fully grown now, of course, because it's a year later. He follows dog to the cabin, goes inside and kills a zombie. But a non-zombie woman jumps out and points a shotgun at him and she won't let him leave. Even though he wants to. <laughs> Yeah, and then walks up super close to him with a shotgun. Like, I know, that's a bad idea because you can just a, knock the shotgun a bad out idea. of the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you just knock it out of the way, you grab it, and there's nothing they can you can really do about it. So, uh, yeah, keep your distance if you're trying to uh, control somebody with a firearm. Right. But, you know, generally don't, but if you have to, don't get too close. Got it. We go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we cut, we're back in the present, and uh, Dog is scratching around on the floor of this cabin that him and Carol are in. Daryl pulls up some floorboards. Sorry, Carol pulls up the floorboards and finds a box with a note. She reads it and questions Daryl about the woman who lived there. And apparently Daryl has told Carol about this before, but not the whole story. Mm. And we don't know the contents of that note quite yet. No, it's just a piece of paper. Same paper and a note there you go we go back into a flashback daryl is tied to a chair in the cabin so we're kind of back where we left off and the woman is pulling the walker's body outside she's still got the gun and daryl questions if she's going to kill him she wants to know who he is and why he's on her land so being the nice guy that he is he introduces himself tells her his name and says he doesn't want any trouble but you know, she's pretty hostile towards him at first, but then she lowers the gun, cuts him free, tells him to get out of there before she changes her mind. And he wants to know her name, but she refuses. Mm-hmm. So she's just kind of playing with him a little bit. Now, what was the zombie doing in there? Yeah, not sure. I mean, the zombie was there <sighs> terrorizing her. And Daryl comes to the rescue. It seems like Dog maybe ran out for help, <laughs> but I don't know what the zombie was doing in there. It's all a very confusing situation. Dog's out roaming around. She's in the cabin. Uh, a zombie comes in. He, she doesn't take care of it, even though she has a shotgun. Yeah. Daryl comes in, saves her, 
she captures Daryl, says, I don't need saving. Mm-hmm. But what was, was it her pet? Yeah. Did she, did, was she keeping it in there as a pet like Michonne used to do? Was she going to chop it up and feed it to dog? And that's where he got his taste for feet? I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, I, it's, it's all very weird, but. A, a okay. little bit. I mean, I, part of me thinks they just kind of needed a way to get a couple of extra zombies into this episode because there weren't that many, to be honest. Not that I really mind, but you're right. There's a lot of questions here that don't really make a lot of sense. Most notably, as you said, she has a shotgun. So what the hell is going on? I don't know. Does she ever fire the shotgun? Uh, later on, later on in the woods, she she does. Oh, she does. She saves Daryl with the shotgun. That's right. That's right. Okay. So it works. We've established that. Or we'll have established that. Yeah. Yeah. In a flash forward of the flashback. (laughs) That's right. But we don't know for sure that it's working currently, but I don't know. It is a little strange, but in any case, Daryl leaves. We cut six months later. So we're again into the future of the flashback. Daryl in his shelter. Dog comes back and he takes dog back to the cabin again. So we're just kind of swinging back and forth from woods to cabin, woods to cabin. When he arrives, he asks what dog's name is. And I got Mike from Rally writes in and says, holy crap, Daryl didn't name dog. (laughs) And we find out that she named dog dog. And I have to admit, I was a tiny bit disappointed that it wasn't Daryl who picked the name really why i thought that was that was cute i don't know i i feel like i always assumed it was daryl and i feel like dog is the kind of arm's length name he would choose for a pet because he's a guy who seems to like to keep people at arm's length a little bit right and it i thought it suited his character and maybe this undermined that a tiny bit right he didn't give his own dog its name even though i mean i guess you could argue that it's not his own dog originally yeah, but it also, you know, it's such a, it's such a thing that Daryl would do, it would be to name a dog, dog. And yet he meets this woman in the woods and she names the dog, dog. Doesn't that mean that this woman and Daryl are meant for each other? You could have a point there. You could have a point. I didn't think of that. I just thought it took away from Daryl's character a bit. I thought it was the perfect definition of one of the things that make Daryl Daryl. He named his dog Dog. But I can see your point. I mean, he's found the female Daryl living in a cabin in the woods with a dog. Yeah. And it's not really Dog's name anyway, right? It's up to a dog's parents to name the dog and it probably just sounds like Barks to us. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's not really Dog's name anyway, so we can can just forget it. I guess. Well, Daryl jokes about not forgetting what he is, at least, which I thought was funny for him. You know, that's pretty good. Uh, She says that living in the wild amongst the dead isn't for everybody. And Daryl mentions that life will catch up to all of us eventually. And she responds, only if you let it. So a bit of a callback to what, you know, him and Carol were talking about right at the beginning. That sort of, you know, he got that only if you let it bit from... What happened here? You know what that was, Chris? What was that? That was a callback to the future. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Callback to the future. Yeah. The fourth episode or the fourth edition of the Back to the Future trilogy. (laughs) Callback to the future. I like it. 
We cut to eight months later. Once again, we have Daryl searching along the river. He's gathering wood. Suddenly some walkers approach. There's a bunch of them around. And the woman, whom I'm continuing to call the woman for now, because technically we didn't know her name in this episode yet, she shoots one and beckons to him. He follows her and they end up in very tight quarters, face to face, hiding behind a tree to get away from the zombies. And do you know what this reminded me of? Uh, Hobbits? Uh, No, no, no. It reminded me of Carl and Enid when they were hiding in that tree together. Remember face to face right up close? Yeah, this it reminded me of when the when the hobbits, the four hobbits, had to hide from the uh, one of the ring race. Right. Okay. In the first in the first movie. Well, I'll have to go back and watch that again. But I first went to Carl and Enid. Yeah, and then they t- tumbled down the hill and broke the world's largest carrot. It was amazing. <laughs> I don't remember any of that. God. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds yeah. Hilarious. You need to rewatch uh, Lord of the Rings, my friend. It's been a little while. That is for sure. I have it all memorized and I've only seen it like twice, once in the theater and then probably once on, uh, since then. Yeah. I definitely saw them in the theater. I don't know if I've ever watched them straight through at home. It's a big commitment. Those movies. Well, you just did, uh, the Marvel universe and you're doing Harry Potter series. Come yeah. on. It's only three movies. But they're like nine hours. hours long each. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's only yeah. 10 hours total. You we- do that in a day. Oh God, I don't know if I could handle it all in a day. We've got two <laughs> movies left in the Harry Potter marathon. Uh, then we're doing Star Wars. So we'll see after that. I don't know. Where are we? Uh, they're hiding in the tree there. The zombies pass and Daryl runs out and kind of meanly tells her to stay away from his camp. So he really doesn't like being stuck behind a tree with a woman that he kind of only sort of knows. If you're stuck in the woods, if you're in the woods by yourself for two and a half, three years by this point, yep. right? Yep. Uh, being close to anybody has got to be incredibly uncomfortable. So maybe it is, you know, he's turning into, uh, uh, you know, a curmudgeon. Just stay away from me. I don't like people. I don't want people around here. And he's doing a weird job of searching for Rick if he's staying in one place. Well, he's he's got home base, right? And he goes out does the searching and comes back, but you're right. Eventually he's going to have to move farther and farther away. Yeah, so you know. He's staying because of her. I think maybe a little bit, maybe okay. because of her, maybe a little bit because of dog. Uh, he, he can also yeah, have Carol. Okay, I can probably because of the dog, you know, he can also have Carol bring him supplies cause he's close enough. So there are yeah. advantages to staying this close. Well, I would stay close if Carol kept bringing me coffee because I can't make my own coffee out in the woods. But, you know, if somebody brought me uh, a can of coffee uh, once a month so I could make coffee every couple of days, that'd be all right. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, I'd stick around. All right. Well, the woman turns to walk away, but as she goes, she tells her, her, tells Daryl her name is Leah. There you go. Yeah. Finally. I like Leah. Finally have her name. It is nice. Commercial break, we come back and it's three months later, Daryl comes up to the cabin and throws a fish at her door and then turns to walk away. I mean, it's a really odd, I don't know, gesture of intimacy. Here's a fish I'm going to whip at your door. <laughs> I've had, uh, I've had cats bring me dead mice and dead birds and those are gifts. Yeah, it's that's It's kind of hard true. to accept, but, uh, you know, when you're, and they were so proud. 
They were so proud to bring me that, you know, my cat Mitz brought me this dead bird one time. He just was purring his full head off, looking at me like, oh my God, this is the best day ever. I brought you a present. Yeah, that's a good and point. Daryl. I had a to play bit, along. He's a little bit like a cat that way. Yeah, well, he caught a fish and the, the weird thing is he threw the fish at the house, right? It's right. Like, you know, walk up to the house. Put the fish down on a bed of leaves, right? Don't just throw it at the door. Maybe knock on the door and say, hello, Lee, I brought you a fish. Leah, I brought you a fish. Uh, yeah. Here I present you with this mackerel. Uh, <laughs> please take it in the, uh, in the way in, in which it was intended. Right. Well, but no, he whips it at the door and walks away. Later. I saw this fish. It reminded me of you. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> Not so much in how it looks, but kind of how it smells. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> later, he's back at his camp and she throws the fish back at him and says that uh, she can catch her own fish. But Daryl was just trying to be nice, but she says she wants to be left alone. They agree not to bother each other anymore. Uh, but we get this kind of funny thing as she's trying to leave where I couldn't help but get the feeling it's sort of like a you hang up. No, you hang up that. You hang up first, like the teenagers used to do, you know? I'm leaving, then go. I'm going. Okay, then go then, you know? What, they don't do that now? Well, I don't know if they do that now, but they don't talk (laughs) on phones anymore. Nobody calls, yeah. Yeah. Um, But before she finally does leave, she notices that he has frost nip on his fingers, which I guess is a mild form of frostbite. I've never heard of the term before. Well, uh, it sounds like it's a mild form of frostbite because a bite is a bite and a nip is just a little nip. A little nip. Maybe a frost, frost nibble? Frost, yeah. Frost nibble? You've got some frost nibbles on your fingers there, my Daryl. Uh, she invites him back to her cabin and uh, he's sleeping there, recovering from his frost nip, I guess. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah. The first they have a fish fight and then they refuse to hang up on their in-person conversation. Uh, and then they make up weird excuses for Daryl to come back to her cabin to recover from frost nip. Right. Whatever that is. <laughs> frost nip. Sounds like something else now that I have said it a bunch of times. Well, it reminds me of, uh, now that we, you know, say it a bunch of times, it reminds me of uh, the Brady Bunch. You remember when the, the Brady Bunch when uh, the youngest daughter, Cindy, had the sniffles? I do not. They didn't want to. They didn't want to say she had a cold on network television for some reason, so she had the sniffles. What? It's it was inappropriate to use the word "cold" on TV in the '60s or whenever that was. The '70s, I think. Well, I don't know. I, who knows, right? Uh, you know, censorship being what it was, and executives and writers, uh, you know, being weird back weird. then. Who knows? But they called it. The sniffles, which was odd and made me think that, you know, maybe in California, they call it the sniffles instead of having a cold. And, you know, maybe in wherever the hell they are near Washington that they call it frost nip. I guess. Instead of, you know, mild frostbite or maybe frost nip is just my fingers are cold. Or maybe she was actually referring to his nipples and they were cold. Oh, well, then she would then say, if that was the case, she would just say it's very nipply out here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Come back to my house where it's less nipply. Right. I'm I'm very confused, but they're back at the cabin. He's asleep. During the night, Lee breaks a picture and ends up giving Daryl her whole story, pretty much. And essentially, she tells him that she has a son. Today, had a son. Today is his birthday. 
We find out that the son was actually born to somebody else that she considered a sister, who it sounds like died during childbirth. Uh, but she raised him. Matthew was his name. He eventually got bit as they were fleeing a bad situation. They came to the cabin. That's where he died. And he died on the same day that Dog was born. And Daryl is the first person she's seen since. Uh, we also find out that she was in the military, I think, until the zombie apocalypse happened. Well, she said she she was uh, escaped and was uh, fighting together with her squad. Yeah. Right? Which I guess could be military. Uh, but with that shotgun, I doubt it's military. That looked like a hunting shotgun. So maybe she is in uh, some other kind of squad. Soccer. Cheerleading. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know if they call it a soccer squad. They call it a cheerleading squad. Yes, they do. Uh, a small squad tactics. But the biggest question I had, and I'm still trying to figure it out, is okay. So she started the zombie apocalypse with her squad, and they stuck together. And uh, Matthew was born uh, after the zombie apocalypse, right? I think so. Yes. How? Did she get a picture of him with her? Hmm. Maybe it wasn't after the zombie apocalypse. Maybe well, this is my confusion because I, I don't know. But she said he, she died in childbirth here and that they were fighting. No, it she wasn't. She was fighting with her squad. Yeah, it wasn't. He didn't die. You know, sorry, he did die at the uh, cabin, but he yeah. was born before that she fled there with him after they were in some sort of situation where you know there were zombies all around and they had to run away but then she said we ended up back here yeah i don't know i don't know so i'm starting to think that matthew was born before the zombie apocalypse uh the mother you know his mother died during childbirth and she was raising him in the before times Zombie apocalypse happens, and then, you know, whatever went down from there, and they ended up at the cabin, he got bit on the way or in the chaos as, as they were fleeing, made it to the cabin, but then died. Does that, does that make sense? And that's why she had a picture of him? Uh, sort of. Okay, I'm looking at the pic, I'm looking at a screen cap of the picture right now. Uh-huh. Uh, I paused it right on the picture. It's a Polaroid. All right, so we got- Okay. It could be, it, it could be taken afterwards. Those Polaroid- Film things don't last very long, right? So they go bad after a while, but whatever. So let's assume there was a Polaroid. There's a Polaroid in the picture, and in the background is the cabin. Like there's the railing of the cabin. So the picture was taken taken at this location. Okay. So either it was the immediately when they got there, or or they had come there before. Like it was a cabin that they went to other times. Yeah, but it's not a selfie either. So someone right, else the picture, took the picture. Someone else took the picture. Okay. Well, it's very confusing. Yeah. Okay. So we'll just say it's a magic Polaroid camera with a magic Polaroid film that lasted a long time. Lasted a very long time. Uh, that'll have to do, I think. Okay. Anyways, she asks Daryl who he lost and he says his brother. He's not talking about Merle, Jason. He's talking about Rick. 
I know. And it took me a couple of seconds to clue into that. I'm like, Merle, what do you mean you don't know what happened to Merle and you think he's alive? Yeah. And, and then, I, oh, because she said she's my sister, but she's not really my sister. He's referring to Rick, he's which my, I thought was really nice. He's my brother, but not really my brother. He explains that they never, that he died in an accident, that they never found his body. And he says he won't stop looking until he finds out what happened. Even if he has to look in the same place for over a year and a half. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Well, more than that, because it was two years. Remember, Carol said it's been two years and then we keep jumping into the future. So it's been like three and a half years. Well, he could have been searching other places, but then ended up here five years ago. And then it was six months and then eight months. So it's been more than a year in this location that he's been looking. That's true. You're right. It's been a long time. You know, it's happened to me. When I lost my shoes one time, sorry, I lost my shoe when I was about four. I was in the woods right next to my parents' house or my house, I guess. And I was climbing a a little tree and my shoe got kicked off and I didn't know where it was. And I kept looking in the same place and I'm like, I can't go farther because the shoe is here, right? It didn't go way over there. If I go too far away, I'm going to be too far. I got to find it around here. So I kept looking in that one area for that lost shoe. You know how I found it? How'd you find it? Uh, I climbed the tree and I kicked off the other shoe. And I, wa- <laughs> I went, I watched where it went and I went to where that shoe went and they were sitting right beside each other, like exactly as if I had just put them down. That's like, amazing. Hey, there are my shoes. And I put my shoes back on and I went home. Well, that's amazing. That's a it great- It was amazing. It's a great story. <laughs> so, but you wouldn't go very far. You know, I lost Rick here. I'm going to look for Rick here. Wait, what you're saying is Daryl needed to blow somebody else up on that bridge and see where their body ended up. And it would have been right beside Rick's body. That that's genius. Yeah. Except that, that Rick or, was or at least, up. you know, fling somebody into the river and then follow it. <laughs> yeah. And hope a helicopter picks them up. Well, that probably, you know, the chances of, you know, me being in the woods and having my shoe kicked off and a helicopter taking it away was probably pretty slim. Yeah. So it wouldn't have occurred to me, and I don't think it would have occurred to Daryl. No. Okay. Well, later, Daryl and Leah are out spearfishing. She gets one on her first try. So here we go again. Nice. Uh, We get a little bit of a montage here. Daryl carrying the map. She's there. They seem to be spending, you know, some time together a fair bit. They watch a solar eclipse together, which is fun. Back at her cabin by firelight. She reaches her hand out and takes it. She appears to possibly not be wearing any clothes, but I'm not 100% sure. Well, her shoulders are bare. Her shoulders are bare, she exactly. She be wearing a tank top. Eh, or, or just bottoms, you know, who knows. Um, yeah. But it's, it's heavily, heavily implied that they have an intimate relationship. This is the closest we get, Jason, to a sex scene between these two. Uh, Holding hands. I don't, and and all we see is Daryl's hand. We don't see anything else of him. Um, Gemma in South Wales writes, holy crap, they went there with Daryl and Leah, a love match finally for Mr. Dixon after 10 seasons. I don't think it's supposed to be ambiguous in any way what was going on in this scene, but boy, did they show a lot of restraint in, in telling us what was going on. Which is fine, right? Well, it is fine. It's, it, it's all well and good. I'm kind of sad that uh, they, you know, they broke the seal on 
uh, Daryl and intimacy. Because yes, it yeah. actually, you know, there's not supposed to be any wiggle room here for what happens and what their relationship is. I'm just, I'm, I'm rewinding in my mind through the 10 seasons previously, and I'm trying to think of sex scenes, uh, and I'm not recalling any. Well, I mean, we had Maggie and Glenn in that pharmacy way back, right? When he's, when she's oh, like, yeah. I'll have sex with you. Remember that? Yeah. Um, there were probably others implied between other characters. Was it ever implied with Carol and, uh, Ezekiel? I don't well, know. They were in a, they were married. Yeah. They were in a, I mean, the relationship was there. I don't know if we ever had a sex scene. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't had many like full on sex scenes in this show, but plenty of relationships. So, you know, like many shows and movies, you know, stabbing people in the face, fine. Shooting people in the kneecaps, fine. Swearing up a storm, <laughs> fine. Any kind of nudity or sexual innuendo? No. Showing forget a boob? It. Forget it. Yep. What new, think of new, new, new. Think of the children. You're going to get a, you're going to get, you're going to get part of a bare shoulder, but that's it. Yeah. And, and holding hands, you know, we got to draw the line, you know, we don't want to be improper. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to upset anybody. You know, uh, that guy's head just exploded, but don't show anyone with their shirt off, even from the back. That's right. right. (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's the same kind of thing of, uh, you know. Uh, you can shoot somebody, you can stab somebody, you can uh, bash their head in, uh, but you whack somebody in the knees with a baseball bat, everybody is going, oh, yeah, in the audience. It is. And it's, it's, it's also, you know, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Don't kill the dog. If you kill a dog, you are an evil fucker and people will turn the channel. Yeah, you're going to lose viewers. You are. Yeah. I get but it. I get it. Bashing people in the head, fine. No problem. All right. Well, Daryl and Leah have this relationship. Um, I think a lot of people are somewhat disappointed in a way because it's kind of like what you said, Jason, they're, they've kind of gone there with Daryl, whereas they never did before. And it was always ambiguous. And like, who was he into and what was his, what were his preferences in these, you know, areas? And uh, they just never addressed it. And I think a lot of people liked that. So I can see people being a little, uh, a little bummed by this development, but on the other side of things, I think there's plenty of folks out there who are just fine with it as well and kind of think it's, it's a good character development bit, right? Finally give him someone he can have a romantic relationship with or an emotional relationship with that's, um, that's a love interest, right? Because he obviously has that with other characters on the show. Um, and I think this is one of the reasons why they gave us the Carol banter at the beginning to really hammer home that that's a real friendly, not romantic relationship at all because they were going here. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And it would have to be a friendly, uh, uh relationship if he's uh, going to tell her to not talk. Can you imagine what would happen if you or I told our wives not to talk. You know, <laughs> you know, what's funny every once in a while I get, um, uh, <laughs> spoken to about occasionally leaving the room while my wife is still talking. <laughs> oh and, yeah. I get and, that. And, and she's like, you just walk away. I was still talking. And I'm like, yeah, but if I stay here, I'll never get to leave. <laughs> 
and 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 I I feel like a dick and I kind of am, but you know everything works out. But uh, it is the kind of thing that yeah, it's like you can't just be like um, shut up, you're too loud, stop talking. You know, it's not just, that's listen, not nice. Shut up for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, you know, and and my son, you know how I know he's awake. Because he's talking. Cause he's talking. Yeah. He talks from the moment he wakes up until the moment he falls asleep. Yeah. Well, he is remarkable at the talking. I, I, you know, I haven't seen him much because of the goddamn pandemic, but when we did that one time, it yeah. was for his age, it was unbelievable the way he was able to speak. And He's always been extremely articulate and he's never had a problem with, any, you know, pronouncing any letters or words. Yeah. And when he was first learning how to talk, his favorite words in the world were three syllable word, words or longer, like hippopotamus or, uh, you know, inconsistent or whatever. He just loved those words. That's amazing. Well, so yeah, it's, it was impressive. Yeah, the boy knows how to talk, believe me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, back to the show. Um, After the sex scene, we go 10 months later. Daryl and Leah are sitting at a table together in the cabin. There appears to be some tension, but the implication is they've been basically living together for 10 months now. Well, the way I figure it is that that it was basically the sex scene until now. So it's been 10 months of sex. So they're probably just exhausted. Yeah. They're probably, the tension is all just, they're a little tired. <laughs> they finally got up and had something to eat. And, you know, it's like, geez, we have some corn on the cob. Let's have that. Maybe a drink of water. Starving. <laughs> I'm feeling a little dehydrated. Maybe we should, uh, you know, get the Gatorade out now or something. <laughs> yeah. Got to Yeah. Got it. Got it. Replenish your electrolytes. All right. Well, 10 months of sex later, they're sitting at a table. There's a little bit of tension there. He says that he's leaving for a few days, which is not what you want to say after 10 months of sex. Yeah. Uh, she questions where he belongs out there looking for his brother or with the family he left. So I guess she's heard about, you know, the other people that he used to live with, or she says with her and Daryl says he doesn't know, but Leah says he's got to choose and we go to commercial. You know, on one hand, I understand that, uh, you know, I want to be with you. Uh, you have to choose what life you want to live. But on the other hand, is this the first time he said, I want to go for a few days and continue the search I've been doing for years for somebody that I lost that I, uh, I want to try and find, and I'm only going to go for a couple of days and then I'll be back. And she flips the fuck out and says, you know, choose me or get the hell out. I mean, if they've been having sex for 10 months, it might be the first time, but I see what you're saying. Like you can't really expect him to just completely stop what he's doing. And it's not like he's saying I'm leaving and never coming back. Right. Yeah. He's just like, I got to go for a couple of days. I want to continue this search. This is important to me. Uh, you know, I'll be back in a couple of days, like maybe a week, you know, I've traveled for business. Yeah. Uh, and my relationship didn't end. I didn't get ultimatums about, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to work or do you want to be with me? I kind of got to do both here. Pretty much have to. Yeah. (laughs) I don't really, you know, if I had the choice, I would make the choice, but it's not really a choice. So is she being unreasonable? I don't know. Here's the thing. We don't know what really happened in that 10 month period, right? Maybe he's gone six days a week, every week. And he just comes back and flops down tired and sleeps for 24 hours and leaves again. Like we don't know how Daryl is behaving in this relationship. And maybe this is it sort of finally 
bubbling to the top and coming to a head, right? And she finally says, look, you either live here with me like most of the time or you don't and make that call. But I'm just saying we don't really know exactly what brought them to here because the show skipped from sex to relationship ending. You know, there's a big chunk in the middle there that can things can go right or things can go wrong. That That's true. That's true. And I don't mean to imply that relationships always start with sex, but in this case, it sort of did. So, you know. Well, not always. Uh, that's what I mean. They don't always. Sometimes they no. do. Sometimes they do. Right. But yeah, maybe he's a moody, broody bastard the whole time, right? And just saying, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. And she's saying, don't go, don't go. I, you know, I, I don't want you to go. And now he's finally saying, I got to go. I, I just, I got to go. And she's yeah. like, well, you got to choose, man. Right. But, um, that's, I just, I'm just saying, I don't think we can really say what happened, but ultimately this is where they are. We come back from the commercial, Daryl's, uh, reading his map and he appears to have chosen to continue the search for Rick. So he, that was the choice he made. Uh, Carol approaches with a sweater for him and she says he, uh, or he, He's packing up and says he's moving. So here you go, Jason. He's actually moving the camp now somewhere else, uh, I guess, to go and I guess he's exhausted all possibilities around here and he's moving somewhere else to continue the search. Excellent. Carol says that things are tough at the kingdom. It might be a while before she comes back. Um, She says she needs to find some peace and maybe he should stop the search, but it's not really in Daryl's personality. So he doesn't. We see him continuing to walk the riverbank, and at some point, he decides to return to Leah's cabin. It's unclear how much time has passed because we don't get the on-screen titles now. She's not there, but Dog still is. And yeah, that's a little bit weird. He leaves some food in the floor with the note. The note we now see is a small map with an X marking his camp. He writes on it, I belong with you, find me. And so this is the cache of stuff that Carol found earlier in the episode, but later in the future when her and Daryl show up there. Um, And this is the note she read, which sort of prompted the whole episode or the whole conversation between them. So Daryl leaves with dog possibly looking for Leah, but we don't know. We have no idea what happened to her, where she went, why she was gone, but dog was still there, whether she's alive or dead, just nothing. She's probably with Rick at this point, you know, the helicopter Mm. came and picked her up and took her and wherever she is, she's with Rick. So if he finds Rick, he's going to find Leah. That's actually really amazing. I never even considered that, but you're right. Maybe she was picked up by the helicopter people too. And, now she's with them and that's why the dog dog is still there because they couldn't take the dog with them or wouldn't for some reason. Yeah. I, I'm only, you know, 90% joking. Yeah. But, but I think you might be 90% a, right. <laughs> but you know, why would she leave dog? Why would dog stay behind? You know, if, uh, if she was leaving and dog was, you know, hanging out with her since the day he was born, why wouldn't he go with her? Well, I, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe, if, if that's the case, if they did in fact take her away, maybe they just wouldn't take dog or maybe she was taken against her will to a certain degree. Right? Yeah. Or maybe, maybe she didn't like dog after all. Oh, reminded, him of, reminded her of Daryl. Yeah. I was just going to say, maybe that was it. So she had to 
bug out and leave dog. It's kind of sad, really. Uh, yes. I would leave my dog behind. There's no way. No, there's no way. But this is, I'm saying, maybe she was forced away or taken against her will. I don't know. I have no idea if we're ever going to even see this character again. You know, I don't oh, know. Oh, we will. I Come hope on. so. They're setting up this character to uh, to be part of the Daryl and Car- Carol buddy cop movie TV show. Yeah, I guess so. But now that you've got me thinking maybe she was taken away with Rick, that, that opens up all kinds of other possibilities, basically for season 11, I think, you know? So maybe, I don't know. Or the Rick movies. Good God. If they ever continue making those, maybe she'll be in the Rick movies. In any case, we go back to the present and Carol and Daryl are talking. He says he should have been there to help her, referring to Leah. He says he has no idea what happened to her. So we find out that he never found her or hasn't yet. He blames himself for losing her, but Carol disagrees, says he can't blame everything on you know, yourself. She says that Rick wasn't your fault. Neither was Connie. And this is where things go a little off the rails because Daryl turns around and says, no, Connie's not my fault. That's on you. Right. He was, it was, it was almost the most direct I've ever heard the character. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, other than that time he murdered somebody. Yes. Well, I mean, speaking something, right? Oh yeah. 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 Remember for all those years, he was a man of few words and, uh, he really still is in a lot of ways, but he just doesn't hold back, man. He turns around and says, no, Connie's gone because of you. And they continue to talk and he accuses her of always wanting to run away because she couldn't deal with the guilt of certain things. He just takes her to task for, you know, her approach and attitude and, She says that uh, she should have stayed away when she left on that boat, like maybe never come back. Right. And it's clearly, you know, the funny, friendly banter is gone now. And all of this stuff has risen to the surface. Carol says that their luck has finally run out. Daryl kind of sighs, stares out the window and the episode ends. So it it really ends on a downer. I got to say like a big bummer note there. Well, I don't think it necessarily means that they've separated, though, because she says, uh, our luck's run out, you and me, it's going to be dark soon, and then walks into the cabin. Well, she says, I'm going to go fix the door, yeah, (laughs) which is a funny final line, I thought, but no, I don't think they're going their separate ways, but their, their issues with each other, or at least his issues with her, have suddenly risen to the surface, so... You know, the fun, don't talk the whole motorcycle trip jokes aren't really the thing anymore. Yeah, but we know she's not a love interest, so they're, uh, you know, and it's going to be a buddy cop thing, so people fight, right? Siblings fight. Uh, You know, Daryl and Rick have had, you know, drag out scraps, so, and, you know, Daryl still thinks that Rick's his brother, Mm -hmm. uh, or considers him his brother, so, you know, they fight every now and again. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. And I have no doubt that they'll make up, you know, they'll, they'll figure their shit out and become friends again. But I do think for now, anyways, it did quite a bit to change the state of their relationship. You know, I mean, sometimes you just got to tell people what you really think. And if they're really your friend, they'll still be your friend after. Right. I would hope. You would hope so. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it, uh, you know, friendships end, unfortunately. I guess it does happen. Yeah. 
But I don't, well, we, we know it's not going to end. We know that these two are going to survive to the end of the show or as close to it as possible and then move on into their own show. So they'll get it together. But for now I was a little little like, oh, these two friends are having a rough time, but they'll get it together. They will. Now, before we wrap up here, Jason, what did you think? of this episode. It was just two main characters, one new character. And it was, you know, that way, because again, like we talked about last week, they're trying to keep these a little smaller for pandemic reasons. But what did you think about this one with all the flashbacks and the, the Daryl fill in story from, from the last few years? Uh, I thought it was okay. I mean, as uh, a, you know, why is Daryl broody? doesn't really add anything because Daryl's broody there. Here's another reason why Daryl's broody, mm-hmm. uh, as a dog origin story, you know, two thumbs up. There you go. This, I like dog. I think dog dogs in general are, are nice. And, uh, you know, dogs as puppies are cute as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I thought, I thought dog did a really good job of acting in this. And you could tell he was acting in certain places, like digging up the floorboards. He was looking to, whoever was, you know, directing him to do that. Uh-huh. But uh, I thought he did a pretty good job. Uh, so uh, I think this episode, if we look at it from a, a dog point of view, uh, I think it was pretty good. Really, really good. Yeah. Well, speaking of acting, I thought Lynn Collins as Leah was fantastic. And I'm not even sure why, but I'm not too familiar with her work. I looked her up and, you know, I have seen her on shows like True Blood and stuff like that, but that was a long ass time ago. Um, oh, I don't recall her at all. She was early. She was Jason Stackhouse's girlfriend, like on season one or something. I think she worked at the, at the diner where Sookie really? Stackhouse worked. Yeah. But I mean, that's a long time ago, right? I, I don't, uh, I'm not surprised you don't remember that, but I thought she was really, really good. And I really hope we do see this character again, even if it's, not just to be there as a love interest for Daryl. Cause I think she brings a lot more to it for some reason. I don't know. I don't know what it was exactly, but she was great. And I really liked her. I agree with you about dog. I'm kind of just fine with all the Daryl stuff. So when I started to think about it, I thought, you know what? I think I really, really like this episode for kind of a bottle episode, but I guess all of these are kind of bottle episodes right now, you know? I think we need to align our expectations for the rest of this 10th season yeah. about, uh, you know, what we're going to get. Mm-hmm. This is what we're going to get for the rest of the season, it, the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. And I think next week is going to be very, very similar without getting into spoilers. It focuses on a couple of characters. There's a guest star who is a name actor that you will know. So I don't know if it's going to involve flashbacks or what, but I feel like it might be a, the same kind of template, you know? Um, but I also think that this episode gave us some decent character stuff that, you know, revolving around Daryl and Carol, two characters who've been around forever. And sometimes the longer shows go and the longer characters are there, you know, the harder it is to give them something new and interesting to do and continue to develop them. Um, and so this was a little unlike many other episodes of, of the walking dead. And I thought they did a really good job with it from that angle as well. Um, so yeah, I thought this was a pretty good one. The weird thing is I didn't 
read any actual reviews of it, but I did see a few headlines as I was browsing the internet over the last few days. And I don't think many other people really agree with me on that because I saw some headlines where critics were being pretty hard on it, you know, saying things like the Walking Dead focuses on two, you know, long running fan favorite characters this week and fails like things like that, you know, like they just tear it down. I should probably read the actual content of the article, but I have a feeling this one didn't land very well for most people. So I don't know. I'll have to look into that, but We'll also maybe see when we get into some of the feedback in a couple of days from our last listeners. But just to say for now, I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. And, you know, that's great. I liked it more than last week's. Well, good. I, I enjoyed this episode overall. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, it was good. Uh, I liked the fact that, uh, I like these bottle episodes and I like the fact that they're doing the episodes in this kind of smaller, um, you know, bite-sized chunks and a little more introspective rather than, uh, you know, grandiose, uh, you know, massive battles. Cause we've had problems with those in the past where, you know, we've had episode upon episode upon episode that were all just weird fights yeah. and battles. Uh, and they all had problems. Whereas this, you know, lots, of, you know, focus on dialogue, have quiet moments where people tell, you know, tragic backstories. Mm-hmm. We've had two of those in a row. Uh, so let's, uh, let's keep it up. I don't, I disagree with that. That that review is probably more clickbait than anything. Oh, probably. Yeah. I shouldn't take it so seriously, but, uh, uh, or I should read the whole thing and actually judge it rather than just the headline because that's the worst thing you can do. (laughs) Yeah. One other thing is I thought the cinematography in this one was really good. I really liked how softer and kind of warmer the light was during the flashback scenes. You know, the present was very cold and blue, like The Walking Dead can be. Um, the flashbacks were all a little warmer, oranger, and, uh, just nicer to look at. And I feel like there must've been a lot of shooting during, what is it called? Magic hour or whatever, where the sun is just kind of going down and the light is a little softer. I think, I think it looked really beautiful most of the time. I agree. So good on whoever's (laughs) call that was. And you know what? It could really be a lot of post processing and color grading work. I don't know, but either way, <laughs> I thought it looked really good. Yeah. That magic hour can be simulated now. Oh yeah, of course they can do anything they want these days. God. All right. Well, there you go. That is season 10 episode 18 of the walking dead called find me just before we wrap up here. I wanted to take a second to Thank someone for recently becoming a new patron on Patreon, and that is Nathan M. Thank you so much, Nathan, for making your small, you know, subscription at Patreon and helping us out with all the costs of putting on the show here. If you would like to be like Nathan, you can do that by visiting patreon.com slash the talking dead to make your contribution. And we very, very much appreciate it. You can also just make a one time donation by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash paypal and just firing a couple of bucks that way to us we appreciate that as well and of course you can support the show for zero dollars by leaving ratings and reviews at apple podcasts or other platforms where you get your podcasts to listen to so thanks so much to everyone who does that as well All right. That is the show for this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. 
you can visit our website and click on send voicemail at the top, which will allow you to record a message and it'll come right to us. Voice messages are the best because it's an audio show and I love getting audio and hearing people's voices. Make sure you let us know where you're calling from too. That's, uh, that's always great. I like to know. You can also send email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All of those ways are good ways to send us in feedback about the podcast, about the show, about whatever, um, for our feedback show, which will be in two nights from now on Thursday. So keep sending that in and we'll do as much feedback as we can then. All right, that's going to do it, everyone. Until next time, thanks so much. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.